Let's go crackers with the Packers! <laughs> to the Gridiron Show and then there were two yes the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons will be making up the roster of the Super Bowl 51 that doesn't even make sense so on today's show we'll be talking about what the Steelers and the Packers both need to do we'll be breaking down those two games we're going to be talking all about the Super Bowl as well and loads of other stuff this is the Gridiron Show So that may be the sixth time that I've ever done the intro. It's not getting any better, guys. Will, you've done about 106. So uh, I've got a little way to go to get up to your incredible standard. And that's just of the Gridiron Show. Don't forget the 200-odd shows we did of uh, the old show. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. I think it's actually a dereliction on your part that you haven't helped me or made me do these more often. Um, so yeah, you're ha- you're basically hanging me out to dry. Yeah, definitely 100% my fault. Yep, there we go. Great. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we now know who will be, as Ollie said, in Super Bowl 51, the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots will be making up the teams in two weeks' time in the NRG Stadium in Houston. And you could be watching it at our massive Super Bowl party at Bloomsbury Lanes. Uh, so you can go get a ticket at gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl LI or go to our Twitter at Gridiron and click on the link there. And our friends at Touchdown Trips, as we are presented by Touchdown Trips, have added a Super Bowl page to their homepage at touchdowntrips.com. So if you're a Falcons fan or a Packers fan, uh, well, maybe if you're a Falcons fan and you're thinking, do you know what? Only the second one in our history. Who knows when we'll next go back? And maybe you're a Patriots fan and you think, seven times in 10, 15 years, I should probably finally go. Then uh, you can go on there uh, as well. But, Ollie, we need to start the show on a slightly somber note. Yeah, I know. Um, Not asking you how you are after last night. Um, oh, why not? Because uh, we'll get to that. Okay. I need to apologise for my behaviour both inside the Hit Hippodrome and on Twitter last night. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> you're 100% I, right, you really do. <laughs> I got frustrated with some uh, Patriots fans who were sat behind us and really behaving very, very poorly. I took that out on Twitter rather than on them personally. Uh, and then when I started to get people biting... I decided to continue winding up and trolling people. And basically, my night turned into me having fun with that and then showing you all the stuff I'd managed to get people to tweet. And then as the final nail in the coffin of my behavior, uh, I decided to block every Patriots fan I know uh, between about 3 a.m. and 8 a.m. when I realized what I'd done and unblocked everyone. And those people include Matthew Sherry. So I'd apologize to uh, Big T. I apologize to <laughs> at Odyssey. You I are an absolute disgrace. Nolhino, uh, and I can probably apologize to Matt Sherry in person because he's on the line. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I think you should be sorry, Matt. Actually, d- Will, there's one other person that you need to apologize to. Who? The Patriots fan who you almost started a fight with 
as I he was leaving start a fight. He as he was leaving the, the hippodrome it was absolute. it was disgraceful behaviour he was so boisterous in these situations well you're a belligerent man he was being a right knob end and I just told him he was he wasn't being a knob end he was just being a Pats fan no, 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 no. <laughs> he wasn't he was being a knob end I mean I, I disagree but look I'm glad that you've seen the errors of your ways. It was very funny at the time for us, for us all there. But, dude, come on, you're better than no, I, you're I, better I, than I all am, of I this. I wasn't even meant to drink before we went to. Uh, I wasn't even going to drink before we went to Houston, and then I got there, and there was Blue Moon flying around. Which, by the way, that place I've had the worst hangovers I've ever had drinking blue moon at the hippodrome i think that they either they don't clean their taps out or it's just really low quality beer or something but i felt really ill today and i didn't drink much more than i would normally drink on a night out um I agree yet, with that, Will. i'm sorry from, from my hippodrome experiences at blue moon i completely agree with that yeah i think you've hit on something there and we don't want to slam the hippodrome by any stretch but I, i've i've kind of felt the, the same way um the other thing I'd say is that let's hope that this belligerent leaves your system because you did almost once nearly get arrested in in Arizona on the eve of the season. Well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And that was Liam Blackburn's fault, but you... Yeah, Liam Blackburn nearly got arrested. And then when the police officers decided that Liam Blackburn starting on you meant that they should split the two of you up, send Liam on his own into the night and wouldn't let us walk with Liam, meaning that Liam walked off into the middle of uh, where we got uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, with no idea where he was or what he was doing, and they just sent him off on his own. And I merely pointed out to the police officer that that seemed like quite a dangerous thing to do, and he told me to shut up or... Uh, uh, I can't remember his exact words, but basically he told me to shut up or he'd make me shut up. So I maybe told him to stop being such a senior next Tuesday. And that was risky. I think, in fairness, you were correct because the, the night ended with Liam leaving his identification and wallet inside of a taxi. I think he was robbed a little bit within that process and was also convinced he'd handed his Super Bowl ticket to a taxi driver briefly. So I apologise for my behaviour and I promise the Pats fans uh, trolling stops now. They were brilliant last night and we're going to get into all of that as well. Uh, but we do have two people on the show today in Ollie Hunter, in Matt Sherry, who had very differing fortunes yesterday evening. Uh, so I'm going to leave it up to you guys to decide which game and which teams we talk about first. Uh, let's talk about the Packers first. Oh, that was so so defeated so upset ollie well i don't want to hear sherry's thoughts on the patriots first up i think people might turn off afterwards so or during <laughs> so let's let's get his thoughts on the packers and the falcons and uh, we just said we were gonna stop this and then you've immediately launched back into it again launched back into what winding up pats fans <laughs> i wasn't winding up pats fans uh look pats Pat- fans wouldn't turn off Matt Ryan uh, ran in a touchdown through through another four. Uh, I'm trying to actually remember now. It was four. As the Falcons ran out 44 to 21 winners over the Green Bay Packers. They were 24 nothing up at halftime, 31 nothing up 
about two minutes into that uh, second half, thanks to Julio Jones, who uh, just increasingly looks like the best receiver in the NFL, not just this season, but overall, catching a slant route and going 73 yards for a touchdown. Uh, The Packers attempted a bit of a fight back late on, and there's plenty to be said for the Packers having injury problems throughout this game and, and missing key players and everything else, but... I think this was a combination of a team who look absolutely shattered after eight, after an eight-week run, which had been incredible, going up against an absolute juggernaut in the Atlanta Falcons. And maybe we should have seen this coming. Yeah, we should have done. We should, we, and I think it was... We were blinkered by the Aaron Rodgers brilliance of yeah. recent weeks. Heart-ruling head. Aaron Rodgers couldn't carry on doing this for nine games in a row. He just... It just it was unlike, really unlikely, and the Green Bay defense is so bad that it made the Falcons' offense, which is admittedly very good, look even better than it actually is. And look, we're going to get into what the Packers need to do, but let's start off with the Falcons. And let's start before we start off on their offense. I want to talk about their defense because I was really impressed with the, the way they came out and started this game. And obviously, the Packers missing a field goal very early on was an issue as well. But uh, the way they came out, first drive touchdown, second drive uh, field goal, uh, and the defense came out and they did something that no defense seems to do against Aaron Rodgers, which people don't go hard at. They don't go for the blitz. It's not unlike the Patriots where. Uh, that you don't blitz Tom Brady because he gets the ball out so quickly, so you need to make sure you're covering. You don't generally blitz Aaron Rodgers because he's so, got such great pocket presence that he tends to escape the blitz, and then you let him get out of the pocket where he makes his best plays. But that's not what Dan Quinn... Dan Quinn immediately went after Rodgers, and it was on that side of the ball where increasingly over recent weeks the Falcons got better and better and better and obviously Vic Beasley's been a huge part of that but I thought Rashid Hageman up the middle was absolutely brilliant last night I thought that Keanu Neal had another great game I, I, I had serious doubts about what the Falcons could do on that defensive side once going up against Rodgers and whether those guys who'd been improving over the season hadn't come up against a really good offense but they proved every doubt I had wrong last night and were excellent through the first three quarters I think I think my my takeaway is and this sounds ridiculous given that the run they had is I still don't think the Packers' offense was that good. I mean, and I think Dallas showed the blueprint in the second half of that game as to how you could how he could undo it. And I think what a lot of teams started to do was was what Dallas actually did themselves in the in the mid in the in the regular season matchup, which was 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 play a lot of coverage and, and not send too many rushes but then I think J- Dallas in the second half of that game really slowed them down significantly by sending pressure particularly up the middle and, I, and when we did the first podcast of the playoffs I, I, that's kind of the point I made of, of the importance of that pressure up the middle uh, and to me I still think that the same problems existed with the Packers offence in that they have wide receivers who aren't brilliant at getting open and Aaron Rodgers, for for as great as he is, still is just he's just his style of quarterbacking is not the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning style of quarterbacking, and that's getting the ball out of your hands quickly. So in in that instance, it, it becomes really difficult to move the ball. And and I I, I, I mean I did kind of see it coming. I, I mean obviously wasn't on the pod, podcast, but I chatted to you guys privately and and to Liam and a couple of others and. And, and I just think that, that Dallas really showed something in the second half, and it was great to see 
Atlanta. I don't think it, you see enough that teams take note of something like that and, and they put it into practice themselves. And I'm sure, well, Ollie, you'd agree with that. You, you've watched that team a lot this year. I think they head into the off-season knowing that as good as the recent run was, they've got a lot of work to do all over the, the team, but on offence as, as much as anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, we'll come back to that in a bit. I think the Falcons... The, the, if you if you think back to um, the game, especially, and you think back to Green Bay on offense, my overriding memory is of the amount of pressure that did come up the middle, and the um, the collapsing of a, a banged up line, and Rogers having less time to throw to to his receivers. So, uh, the, on offense, the Falcons were outstanding. I mean, we, it, it's kind of like. Yeah, the sun's going to shine tomorrow. But the Falcons were great on offense. Everything that they did with the two running backs and Julio being Julio, it was just it it was really great to watch. Uh, I just uh, I just hope that they it wasn't because that Green Bay secondary and the lack of the horrendous lack of pass rush. I I really hope that it wasn't just because of that. I I and look, here is, here is the thing good. with that with that side of the ball is that what really great teams do, particularly great offenses, is they find your weakness and they exploit it. And we'll say the same about the Patriots coming up when we talk about the Steelers' zone defense. But they knew that you had cornerback problems. I didn't realize Sam Shields was uh, he's spoken out today, still suffering from headaches from the concussion he got in Week One. I'd be concerned he's going to even ever make it back into football again, even though he's saying that he wants to. You know, that is the sort of that length of a concussion, the second concussion of his career, to be still having problems 17, 18 weeks later is a real concern. Mm. And the moment he came out of the lineup, it kind of ruined everything that Green Bay could do on defense because Dom Capers is a man who likes to bring pressure from the linebackers. He does love a, a blitz and an interesting blitz concept. But the problem is with that is when you are when you don't trust your corners in man coverage, and we talked about Ladarius Gunter having to have support from a safety at all times, it seems, when, when you've not got that trust in your defensive backs, then you don't bring the same amount of pressure up front. And I don't think this defense is as bad as it's played. I think that they have had real problems with scheme and real problems with uh, the, the prob- with the defensive backs. I mean, uh, look, I, we we also saw Micah Hyde go out early. I was going to say this on the offensive line. You're talking about uh, internal pressure, Sherry. Like losing both their guards early on was really a, a negative for them as well. Um, but as was trading the best one of the best guys <laughs> in the uh, in the off season. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I it left me I looking at it, and it was all almost the perfect storm on the defensive side of the ball between Clay Matthews showing such degradation this year and Mm. we're hearing all sorts of stuff about uh, the injuries he's been carrying for a year and a half and how much is it to do with that I mean he's only got a season left on his deal and they can opt out of it only suffer a four million dollar cap hit I wouldn't be that surprised to see Clay Matthews not on the Packers next season Um, but I if I'm the Packers and 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 let's go into this because we're going to talk about the Falcons a lot in the next 13 days yeah 14 days if I, uh, a lot of people are calling for Dom Capers' head, and I think he was put in a horrendous situation without those corners. But listen to this list of defensive backs who are out of contract this season: AJ Boye, Tremaine Johnson, Logan Ryan, Stephen Gilmore, Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, look, there is a slew of big name corners who are 
high-level performing corners who could be potentially available this year. And I know Green Bay aren't a team that spend big in free agency, but actually they've got some cap space there. I think that that's, they have to go out and they have to go out hard on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and again, interesting to get Ali's take on this, but I mean, not re-signing Casey Hayward was ridiculous. I mean, and this is the problem now. We're, we're at the point where we're at the point where that Ted Thompson does what he does. He doesn't sign free agency draft players, but then you have to keep the guys in the building and and to let him go, to let Josh sit and go. I, I think the one that it's just bad mismanagement um, personnel wise, and 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 for all you can criticise the coaching staff and to an extent Rogers at the start of the season, I think ultimately it comes down to them not putting the pieces in place. And I mean, I, I'm sure. It, there's a lot of Packers fans who agree, but I think it's time for Ted Thompson to move on. And, and it'd be interesting to see if Elliot Wolf, who interviewed for the 49ers GM job and is the guy in waiting there, would would assume that position. And Tom Capers, it, it's like Monte Kiffin. These guys are, are brilliant defensive minds who, who, sadly, at times just pass them by and they've not evolved. And, and Capers has been a problem now for several years. And I think back to the Kaepernick playoff games and. Yeah, I think there's there's a catalogue of things that, that need sorting out and it starts kind of at the top level, really. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And it, when you think back to both of the playoff games in Dallas and in Atlanta, the uh, the lack of ingenuity when it comes to some of those defensive plays and, and either rushing or or stopping, rushing the passer, sorry, or, or stopping that, especially the, the mid-range, middle-of-the-field type passes as well. Capers, it seemed like, has run out dis- despite what Will said of, of, of the injuries and how that's affected them. And Matt, as well, how he doesn't have the, 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 the right pieces in there anyway. R- regardless of that, you work with what you've got. And he th- seems to have run out of ideas. All of the, all of the packages, blitz-wise or not, it, it was all very obvious. And it, no wonder... Atlanta figured it out after a week from watching the the, the Dallas Cowboys in, in in that second half. So, yeah, I think from the top, there's an awful lot of things that that have gone wrong. Aaron Rodgers said uh, that Jared Cook needs to be top of the priority list. Yeah, he said they need to reload yeah. a little bit, didn't they? But you've also got to think about the fact that that offensive line was great this year, even with Josh yeah. sitting out. JC Tretter and TJ Lang, both free agents this offseason. I think you need to bring both of those guys back as well as Jared Cook. Uh, you need to... There, I, I also think, even though... Ty Montgomery was a good player this season. This draft has some good running backs in it. Go out and look and try and get a proper three down back. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get one of those top two guys because I think they'll be gone by the time you get down to 29. I don't imagine they're going to trade up. But there are people in the kind of middle to late rounds, apparently. I haven't done a huge amount well, of draft research this year. Yeah, I think you need to go out and try and find yourself a running back as well. Well, there's been some talk about Alvin Kamara from Tennessee, uh, who the Packers have, have seen and uh, like the look of. There's always, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there's um, the kind of the opposite of Devontae Freeman, Deonta Foreman. Uh, from Texas, uh, who who <laughs> could be an interesting interesting player as well. But personally, I, I know I, having watched a load of Stanford this and last season, Christian McCaffrey would be an, an ideal. But the Packers won't trade up; they won't do anything like that. They're very safe. 
Ted Thompson and uh, Mike McCarthy, when it comes to things like drafting and free agency, they're extremely safe and they have a, a clear idea of what they're going to do and that's that, and then they do it. The, barely anything is made during free agency or, or drafting, which is, which is sexy, but six years in a row going to the playoffs, six years in a row only winning one Super Bowl, that's something to be worried about. Is, is there anything else you guys want to say about this game or about this Packers team looking into next season? Just just finally on the Packers, I mean, ironically, I think the biggest indictment into the way they run the operation is, is, is Jared Cook and Julius Peppers, the two guys they've actually signed, and even Charles Woodson going back a few years. Mm. You're talking that when they've signed guys, they've come in and made a big impact. So they, they can clearly evaluate the right talent to get the guys they need, but they need to just do more of it and... and Either Ted Thompson changes philosophically because at the moment they've got one of the best quarterbacks of all time. They've won one championship, but they've not been close to winning a second one. They've never been there again. I mean, you could argue the championship game against the Seahawks that they should have won that one, I guess. But it's not like it's not like they're, they're knocking on the door every year when they've got Aaron Rodgers a quarterback. They need to do more of it. So either Ted Thompson changes his philosophy or they need to move on. I think. And we're going to talk about another team after we've talked about these four teams this weekend who have made a big move, have a great quarterback, but not necessarily the best bit of roster building. Ding dong, the Grigson's dead. We will be talking about that as well. I forgot to mention it at the top. As you all know, I'm pretty elated about this. We'll get on to that as well. But let's talk Patriots-Steelers because it was... uh, well, it, it, it was another masterclass, as far as I'm concerned, from Bill Belichick and that defensive side of the ball with Matt Patricia. Because Matt Patricia, whilst this storyline will be all about the Tom Brady redemption tour coming off that four-game uh, suspension to start the season and then how well he's played since then. And yeah, he threw for an incredible 384 yards and three touchdowns. Chris Hogan matching Julio Jones's stat line of nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns. One of the weirder things to come out of this weekend. But the big thing that really stood out to me from this New England Patriots 36-17 to win over the Pittsburgh Steelers is something we talked about on the podcast last week, which was if you're going to stop this Steelers team, there is a very clear way you have to basically stop the run and yes Le'Veon Bell went out early but as we've seen previously we know D'Angelo Williams can come in and can make an impact we talked about the Chiefs in the fourth quarter last week went to five linemen confused the Steelers front made each of the linemen man up which means which means they can't get to the second level can't create those gaps in that space for the running backs and the Patriots did that from moment one they played they absolutely exploited the Steelers zone defense they absolutely it was just a masterclass in preparing and coaching and it's the reason that even though this Falcons offense is looking historically good you still can't even begin to count out the Patriots because give them two weeks to plan for a team with that much tape on them and they seem to be able to outcoach anyone yeah, and the funny part is that, that truthfully if, um, if the Patriots hold the Falcons to around 20 points or less which is what they've done to every team now for several weeks. This is an all-time great defence statistically. And and to a ridiculous level, I mean, they, they already give up less points per game than Denver last season. And the competition wasn't good, and I'm not suggesting it is. But it's so different to any great defence I've ever seen, if that is what they end up becoming. Because you'll see times in games like last night where the quarterback's completing pass after pass after pass, Ben Roethlisberger completed 10 in a row at one point last night 
but they just they, they just don't let teams score points very often, and it's a, it's staggering, really. I mean, I mean, I watched the the first quarter and a half last night and thought that they could be in trouble here. There's no pass rush. They're completing passes, and then you look up at the start of the fourth quarter, and and the Steelers have scored nine points, and it just it amazes me. And I mean, people, I, I saw one guy on Twitter ask us if um, if Bill Belichick and Tom Brady will retire. I mean. You're talking Mike Tomlin would be classed as one of the better coaches in the league, maybe a top ten guy. And you, you see the the huge difference between the quality of coaching last night and and why would Bill Belichick retire? It's getting easier for him, I think. I genuinely yeah, think I, I, they, those two individuals. Same question was asked on the NFL UK fans group on uh, Facebook, and they're just both so competitive. And Brady doesn't show the, the physical breakdown that you've seen in other quarterbacks when they've got to this sort of age. I'd be stunned if either of them walked away at this point, particularly. Get five now, and then Tom Brady uh, go for a sixth and become that completely out and out stand out in front of everyone else quarterback in terms of the number of rings. In terms of, I think he's already there. But you win two, you win two more if you win next week, uh, and then you win another one beyond that. And it's there's no argument can be had at yeah, that point. I mean, the funny part but, is that you looked at it at the start of the season and you thought, well, they've got a lot of guys to resign, so that their, their, their window's closing a bit. I mean, half those guys are off the team at the moment and they're in the Super Bowl. They've got $60 million worth of cap room in the off-season. I mean, they, they could get even better next year and it's just... But, to, but to, uh, just just talk, talking about let's talk about that defense because uh, you mentioned that I thought Malcolm Brown and Alan Branch both looked brilliant last night and they forced the Steelers away from the run, which... Uh, we're going to talk about what the Steelers need to do in this offseason, but I think they really... The fact that pretty much since Thanksgiving, the Steelers have been a run-first team when they've gone on this winning run, and when you saw the number of drops from the coats of the world, you saw uh, who was the Steeler, who was the receiver who stepped out of the back of the end zone and, and then uh, you know made a complete rookie error on, on that one. Um, uh, you know, th- there were so many issues with that Steelers offense that really were shown up, but they had either Shane McLean and Rob Ninkovich or even Dante Hightower at times were getting onto that line, playing as that fifth lineman, completely able to stop the run. And that's what makes me think against the Falcons, they could do something similar. And then on the other side, let's start talking about these Steelers because uh, we talked about two or three matchups on Friday. And the, what we said was about the ability for the Patriots to get mismatches on the Steelers. The Steelers really needed to show something interesting in order to stop that from happening. I don't think they managed it in what they did with their blitz packaging, etc. And almost as if it was exactly as predicted, Lawrence Timmons getting one-on-ones with Chris Hogan and with Julian Edelman on more than one occasion. If you're getting that sort of mismatch with a 30-year-old linebacker who's not particularly great in coverage then you're going to beat teams. Um, and the Steelers, there's work needs to be done on both sides of the ball. But on that defensive side, it's been so exciting to see uh, Bud Dupree, Ryan Shazier, all these young, exciting, fast players coming through. Sean Davis and Artie Burns have both had a good year this year. But you do feel like James Harrison and Lawrence Timmons can't continue to perform to the level they have over the last eight weeks. No, nah, they've not got a chance to do that. I mean, I just thought that the, the coaching-wise, the, the Steelers got it so badly wrong. It was pathetic, to be honest. I mean... <laughs> your, your hatred for Mike Tomlin is almost as bad as my Twitter hatred for the Patriots. It is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> I said to Wally earlier on, like, admittedly, they don't have the kind of cornerbacks who you, you would trust 
explicitly in man-to-man coverage. But by the same account, there was no way in hell they were going to win that game playing zone like they did all night. It just was never going to... There's no way... They it has, that's, it's the true, but... I saw a lot of people saying, why aren't they manning up, why aren't they manning up? Well, they're his own defence. And if you train for something all week, it's like, to give a, a soccer analogy, it's like if you've been playing four four two for the last two years with the same back four and suddenly you switch to a back three without and wing backs without doing it in training at all, you're going to see guys get out of position, you're going to see guys lose their... Like, I don't, it wouldn't have worked. I just genuinely the think point, they were the, the perfect match for the Patriots. Being a zone defence like that, doesn't work in the NFL anymore. I mean, you, you, it, it, again, especially against quarterbacks like Tom Brady, you, you really have to mix up what you're doing. It can't be what... And, and the Falcons is going to be interesting in two weeks because they're not a zone team, but they're very much a we-do-what-we-do team. And I'm just not sure it works against a certain level of quarterback. You've got to disguise what you're doing. And I mean, uh, you say that as well, Will, and I agree with you. I do, I do kind of agree on that point about them being a zone team, and that's what they are. But if they're a zone team, why are the guys wide open on virtually every play? Like, at least if you're going to be a zone team, you should be able to execute it to even a half-decent degree of of solid solidity. It was, it was just pathetic. I mean, Chris Hogan will never have an easier night in his life. I could have probably had 100 receiving yards <laughs> based on how wide open he was often. It was just... It was just terrible, wasn't it? And and, and, and uh, you've got to say that the, the mismatches was an issue. Actually, I, I've really liked that Steelers secondary over, over recent weeks. Artie Burns, Sean Davis, I thought Ross Cockrell had a really good year as well. And, and he's a guy who has moved above William Gay in the depth chart over this season. And he's a free agent again. He needs to be re-signed because I think they can still probably get him for quite cheap. But... We, we said it time and time again. They hadn't come up against a well-schemed offense in that eight, nine-week run. The best they'd had was Buffalo. And then the Chiefs last week, who should have been that team, just absolutely whiffed. Like, Lord knows what happens. It just fell apart. Like, yeah. I, they just completely choked. I, don't, I, I think the Steelers played well, but I don't think the Chiefs represented what they are in any way, shape, or form. Whereas the Patriots had a bad week against the Texans and came out winners. And then the Steelers tried to do some of the same stuff the Texans did without the same quality in the backfield, uh, the defensive backfield. And the Patriots had a much, much better night than they had anyway. And those two things combined. And, uh, yeah, this looked like a blowout from the, the first five minutes. The, the only thing I'd say on, on kind of the defensive stuff again is the last time the Steelers beat the Patriots, it was, it was a few years ago. I think it was right around that year when Sanchez was getting the Jets to AFC Championship games. But it was at Heinz Field, and keep in mind that Keith Butler is running Dick LeBeau's scheme. It's slightly different, but it's pretty much the same thing. And, and that's exactly what Dick LeBeau did. He played man-to-man coverage. Nobody expected it. The Patriots didn't expect it. And the Steelers won. So if I was Mike Tomlin... And, and that game was a complete mismatch to me looking at it at the start. I never thought for one minute it was going to be a close game. You, you've, you've got to do something that, you, that is going to surprise the opponent and give yourselves a chance to win. And if Mike, if Mike Tomlin thought going into that game that the Steelers had a chance to win with that game plan, then he's, he's deluded. And, and part of being a head coach in the NFL is to look... It's all well and good scouting opponents. You have to be able to scout your own team. And self-scouting is actually what New England do better than any team in the league by a distance. He should have been able to look at that team and think, similar to what Bill O'Brien did last week with the Texans, they changed what they did, they took some risks and, and thought, we need to do something different. And I just thought the predictable game plan just played right into the Patriots' hands. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right. On this self-scouting thing, I mean, 
uh, Jamie Collins is a prime example, sort of player who on talent should really uh, should really be someone who you try and keep around. But Carl Van Noy had a great night last night. And we've seen it time and time again where Belichick seems to bring in the right sort of players, if not the best players, if you get what I mean. Yeah, he, 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 he gets amazing <laughs> at what they do. And that's, that sounds like an obvious thing, but the, I would say probably close to 31 of the teams in the NFL don't do it. And that's why the Patriots are in their seventh Super Bowl in 16 years. There you go. Ollie, you've really not had any thoughts on this. You've sat quietly. Is that because after the early game last night, you uh, turned to the drink? That's pretty much it, yep. Uh, (laughs) Listening to you guys, there wasn't too much more to add. I thought, especially on the game itself, what was interesting was how Belichick had obviously, I mean, they all do their homework, but had obviously seen that this is the, the ideal way to beat uh, the Steelers and th- executed to with metronomic precision uh, how to how to beat these Steelers. So, uh, it, you know, I think these uh, the, the Patriots, the way that they're playing now and the confidence that they've got, and they're doing it all without Rob Gronkowski. Um, it just which, shows which that he's not being talked about enough. By the way, he is one of the best three offensive players in the NFL. For them to be in the Super Bowl without him is. Is doubly impressive, but, and I think it highlights enjoy, uh, some Martellus Bennett dancing around last night. <laughs> Absolutely, what but I think it—I think it also highlights how well that, comparing to the to the Packers, how well that roster has been constructed, and they saw that okay, Gronk can get injured. Uh, they've played two tight end sets a lot before anyway, so if he is injured, let's bring in the one of the best top five tight ends over the last three or four years in Martellus Bennett. And it's it's a need which was addressed, but also thought about in in various in 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 a multitude of ways, and it's worked out for them because Bennett stepped up when Gronk has been out, and other teams specifically the Browns say, but in this in this context the Packers they don't seem to do that and uh, Ted Thompson especially if we see that he doesn't address the needs at cornerback at linebacker at um, re-signing certain players um, if, if they don't do that then it, it, you can see another year of making the playoffs or maybe not because the Vikings are going to be stronger next year so the, the Lions and the Bears another year of mediocre or not of allowing Aaron Rodgers' talent to be wasted uh, let, let's talk about what else the Steelers need to do in this offseason because uh, we've mentioned a couple of things, but uh, in terms of the defence, I think the, that linebacker position is the place to focus. But I think an edge rusher as well, because whilst I like Dupree, I, I think that he's not a pure kind of bend the edge kind of guy. And, and James Harrison, like we said, he can't do what he's done over the last eight weeks again next year. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Um, so that w- I think that would be a massive thing to me is to go out there and get somebody who can get to the quarterback. In terms of the overall NFC pitch, yeah, they need to somehow lift the Patriots, lift the Patriots out from inside of their own heads as well. Because if you're turning up for a game at Gillette Stadium and putting chains and a padlock on the locker room door, which is what the Steelers did last night, then you're already kind of beaten before the game begins. I think. Uh, Did people see that? Have you seen that picture? What picture? The, the Steelers put a padlock on their locker room door last night, so Patriots staff couldn't get in. 
<laughs> that's like, amazing. That's how far wedged inside the heads they are. So I think yeah. I think that is it's something that they need to get out of their systems. But yeah, I mean I'd agree with you. Well, they don't need anything on offense if Martavis Bryant comes back. He is amazing. That's, well, that's that, it. That is it. I, like, sorry, I, I absolutely the pass catchers last night really let them down. And if it's we talked about this with the Falcons, if you double Julio Jones that actually plays into their scheme because it means one of those other guys is getting open. If you double Antonio Brown, you, everyone is just going to drop the bloody ball. But you've got yeah. Ladarius Green coming back from injury. He looked good in that 4-5 game stretch. And you've got Martavis Bryant, as long as he stops doing drugs, him coming back as well. Bosh. It sounds like he is going to stop doing drugs as well, doesn't it? He's he Hooray! Into the wilderness for a few months, hasn't he? Sorry, Ali, I jumped on you then. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Out, outside of Antonio Brown, the drop-off is absolutely gargantuan when it comes to those receivers. Darius Haywood Bay is listed as their second receiver on yeah. their um, on their current depth chart. Eli Rogers hasn't come along. Sammy Coates drops the ball all the time. Kobe Hamilton's the guy that stepped out of bounds. Yeah. So, I disagree on Eli Rogers. I think there's something to work with there. But I think if you had Rogers inside and then and then Brown and Martavis Bryant outside, then Rodgers becomes the guy he should be, which is a second-slash-third receiver. But Eli Rodgers, Matt, is a, is a th- second-year guy. And yeah, he's, he is, but that's what I mean. He's got, he's got time to develop. I don't know, man. I think you, now's the time where you're looking at your, your rookie receivers to, to push on, rather than a second-year guy who still... You know, hasn't got, hasn't, hasn't done anything really. I mean, he's made a couple of good catches earlier on in this season, a bit last season, but you, you expect more when you're missing Martavis Bryant. It, I, I don't know. When you look at the, the when you look at uh, the other side of the ball, and I know you wanted to talk about this as well. It seems like, especially in the, this kind of this era where there are a lot of you need three cornerbacks on your team uh, on the field as part of your defensive eleven. That there is a, another huge need for them, despite the likes of Burns and uh, William Gay and uh, Et al doing rather well. They there needs to be Ross Cockrell was the the other one I was trying to think of. They need they need to upgrade those guys and the free agency list. And we spoke about it with the Packers. It's just it's unreal. Some of the guys it's that lovely. are available. I am. Um, I would also say whilst I've sat here whilst we, whilst you guys were chatting, looking at. Uh, three, four outside pass rushers available on free agency market this off season. If you've got cap space, we've got Chandler Jones becoming available Ooh. and Melvin Ingram. Ooh. Melvin Ingram should command absolutely top dollar this season. And if I'm the Steelers, that's a guy. He's a better it. player than Jones. Say again. Jones a lot. He's a better player than Chandler Jones. He should get more than he, he does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, this is what I'm saying. That would be my. He would be my number one guy. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, and, and the other thing that the Steelers needed is is that they they could do with the start of a succession plan for, for Roethlisberger as well. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, the, the, possibly drafting a, a, a quarterback that's going to sit behind a Big Ben for for the next two years, learn from the yeah. big guy because the drop off in Big Ben's performances over the last. Uh, eight, nine, ten weeks of this season has has been really startling and actually rather worrying. And when you've got Zach Mettenberger and Landry Jones behind him, that they're not guys that are gonna that, that you could expect to come in and be the the face of the franchise when Roethlisberger goes. It's Roethlisberger will be coming into his thirteenth season in the NFL. Okay, Brady's been doing it for donkey's years as well, but 
he's starting to come to to the end of his time. Is there someone in the in the draft that similar to Roethlisberger that is that pocket passer that they could work with? Well, perhaps Patrick Mahomes, who we who uh, I saw it for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, um, and he could be a guy. I know Simon Clancy is big on him. Uh, if they can get him, in, maybe in the second round, I, he might go in the first. Something like that. Get him, get him in the organization. Get him working with with everybody there, learning that offense. Sack off Mettenberger and Jones, and let's get someone in that that if if and when because Big Ben will go down, can come in and start learning that 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 offense. Oh, and uh, just just let's let's right very quickly. We're going to talk about the the couple of moves going outside. There's a few other bits of news we need to talk about. Just both of you, very quickly, initial thoughts, two weeks out. Your pick can change another ten times between now and a week on Sunday. But just right now, how are you feeling about Super Bowl 51? I mean, you've wasted it out last day, aren't you? Halfway through yesterday's first game, I was thinking, even if the Patriots get there, they're going to lose. I'm not convinced they'll win by about 14 points, so. I, I, well, you, we, we're putting it into the magazine for this next, uh, for, for this next, uh, edition, um, for all of us have, have made our pick, our MVP, etc. But I, I'll say now what I've said to you already. I, I've picked the Patriots for the magazine at this point, just because of what I saw in terms of coaching last night. And I like Dan Quinn a lot. And I think Carl Shanahan, I'm so fearful that he's not going to be the 49ers next head coach because that isn't locked up yet because he was so good last night. I got so excited and then had to remind myself that he's not our head coach yet. He is the best pure offensive mind in the league this season and right now. Um, But I just, Belichick, Patricia, the way they coach that defense, the way they scheme, that's what does it for me. And... It, you know, it's going to be the seventh time, and you'll hear here's some stats you're going to hear a huge amount over the next few weeks. It'll be the seventh time we've got the number one scoring offense facing the number one scoring defense in the Super Bowl. The top scoring defense is five and one in those games. And yes, when I put that on Twitter last night, everyone went to me, yeah, but this Patriots defense isn't the same as that Seahawks defense from three years ago. It's not the same as that Broncos defense from last year. Okay, it's not got the same spashy players, but... I just, you feel like that experience, that coaching experience, all of that combined, it might just be that step too far. But you know what? I've underestimated the Falcons at every stage of this playoffs. So maybe Falcons fans are delighted I'm picking against them. So I've picked against them every week. <laughs> and they've my, gone to the Super Bowl. My concern, and it might, you know, concern might be strange right as a Patriots fan, but I'm mainly a fan of, of the game and I would like genuinely like a good Super Bowl. Um, my concern is that Atlanta do what Carolina did last season, and 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 I almost think sometimes when you've got two weeks to think about it, and it's New England on the other side, and you've got all that time to think about how good they are, and you can overthink it. It can by the time game day comes around, you can freeze. And 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 Matt Ryan's had that reputation in in his career, although I, I, I do think a lot of that is slightly unfair. And and I just think that. that the Falcons are so much like Carolina last year, same division obviously, but that kind of come from nowhere team and and take the league by storm. And we we, we all saw what happened to the Panthers in that game, and, and and I do kind of in the back of my mind fear that we could see that again. Uh, so it's quite a good analogy. Everyone gushing about the the um, the quarterback and the coaches and the coaching and 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 all of that. But for me, I don't think that the 
Patriots have faced anything like an offence like the Falcons all year. No, they, they haven't. They for all year. Not, not even close. Not the, remotely close. And they I've, faced three good quarterbacks this year, um, and one of them was Carson Palmer, who fell apart this year. Russell Wilson torched them, and uh, the Steelers were not good last night. Those Steelers are the three weren't best good quarterbacks I, they faced. You can't, you, you can't read either side. Russell Wilson torched them. That was the game after the trade at Collins, and they didn't know what they were on defense. But by the same account, the Steelers, uh, if the Patriots' defense is greater than the sum of its parts, the Steelers' offense is less than the sum of its parts. So. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're entirely right. And the way that Lev Bell goes out. Antonio Brown is double covered. Big Ben isn't the same Big Ben of two years ago. I don't. I they haven't faced anything anywhere near as good as as, as the Falcons in actually on uh, probably not on both both sides of the ball, but it's certainly on offense. And the the Falcons are on such a roll. They're a juggernaut at the moment on offense. There is so much going in their favor that I think they could turn them over, but. I did say that for the magazine so you'd have someone picking the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, right. Uh, just to get for, away from the stuff, because we're going to be talking so much more about this game over upcoming weeks. And I think we've already said there's not going to be a show later this week, although maybe me and Ollie might do one from the airport if we're bored um, and we've got all the equipment with us, because we will you, do. If you do do that, it should basically just be a Royal Rumble preview show, shouldn't it? Someone has to. Someone did tweet us and say, can you do a Royal Rumble review show? <laughs> Um, and the opening night is generally a farce anyway. So that Monday show is basically going to be me humming the Goldberg theme on the, <laughs> on the uh, microphone. Uh, Don't know yeah. what you're on about. Oh, you Don't will, Ollie. Ollie. You, Ollie, if you get like Will last night drunk, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. So, but let's just talk about the other bits and new bits and pieces of news going on uh, around the NFL right now. Uh, as we know, the 49ers uh, continue their search for a head coach and a GM. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be interviewing again on Friday with Carl Shanahan. Um, a little bit of news that I quite liked uh, before we get on to the, the big Colts news. Uh, Washington have promoted uh, Greg Minuski, uh to the position of defensive coordinator, and that means that one of our very favourites in the league, Jim Tom Sula, is back doing what he does best, working with defensive lines. Uh, he did a brilliant job of that when he was in San Francisco. He loves the UK from his time here, and he is back in coaching in Washington. So, big, big fan of that. Um, but, obviously, the massive news is the man who forever will be tarnished by handing a first-round pick for an already-busted running back in Trent Richardson. He was, he was widely lauded for that move when it happened. I don't remember lauding him on our show. I know that much. Ryan Grigson is no longer the GM of the Indianapolis Colts. Bizarrely, it's not been connected with the loss of their head coach as well in Chuck Pagano. It sounds like at the moment he is going to be staying for the 2017 season. But yeah, I, I, Andrew Luck's already 27. And for them to be wasting a quarterback talent like they've got and I, you know I felt like this throughout the Manning years as well to be fair the Colts aren't a particularly well run organisation who have managed to luck into a couple of really good quarterbacks let's hope they can bring in a GM who can build around him now I think that was the understatement of the year when they've got a, a drug addict running the show it's, it's, it's the it's the um, 
it's just insane. And I mean, they've made a complete hash of this as well. They've missed out on several GM candidates already. I mean, it's ludicrous to pair the new GM with with Pagano because that's not going to work for the next season. And it's just ridiculous, isn't it? They're fast. They might the the ride up there with the Forty Niners for the most fast organisation in the NFL at the moment. I think. Uh, if you type in Grigson on Google and uh, it comes up with his three top stories, one of them says Colts reportedly hired psychologists to help ex-GM Grigson get along with coach Pagano. I mean, that kind of tells it all, doesn't it? The, the two people, they d- weren't working together. It affected every single facet of uh, roster building, of drafting, of free agency, of gameplay, of every single thing that the Colts were, have been about over the last two or three years it, it's a, a move that had to happen from Jim Irsay I'm su- is anyone surprised that Pagano's still there or uh, let's, yeah, before we get on to Pagano Pat McAfee tweeted out uh, tweeted out <laughs> tweeted out thank god and Jarrell Freeman tweeted out well that took longer than expected we had unwarranted arrogance just ran into a brick wall called karma was something that Pat McAfee said yeah these are these are players on the team slating like who are celebrating that the GM is being you kicked out you never see that do you? it's ridiculous and then I mean for that to be permeated in the building just tells you everything I mean but I mean this this thing where they've, they've spent the off season going for John Gruden and Peyton Manning but not firing anyone and now they have fired people literally three days before scouting season starts in at the senior bowl it's just a farce isn't it I've never seen anything like it like yeah obviously it's a good move to get rid of them but I think you back there say to choose the right guy to come in is Gano going to be there I mean I read a report last night that they're going to go all out for Kyle Shanahan so if, if I'm Chuck Pagano I'd just resign and say well my reputation can only be enhanced by resigning now because it's it's just a complete farce and I mean th- there's that element there's also the element that Andrew Luck needs to play better I mean he had a really good year this year but still was the guy who threw the the terrible interception in the in the game against Houston that, that sealed them not making the playoffs so Luck needs to play better as well I don't think it's all Grigson and it's all Pagano I think look there, 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 is, a, there is an issue yes I, I know that you have that issue with, with Andrew Luck but as a 49ers fan and we've not talked a lot about the 49ers this year so uh, give me what, allow me just once to, to talk about them um, it, it does worry me that even with Jim Irsay being a mess you've gone from a situation where I thought the 49ers did the right thing by waiting and they've had Kyle Shanahan fall into their lap by doing it. I don't understand why every year teams rush out to hire the first head coaching ha- candidate, the co- hot candidate, uh, and, and go and do it, it like immediately. It has to have somebody in place within two weeks of the season ending. You know, I, I think take your time a little bit. Make sure you interview a good number of people. Make sure you really do your due, due diligence. But if you're offered the Colts roster against the 49ers roster, even with the Jim Irsay issue, you're going to 
probably think to yourself, well, with Andrew Luck and a few more bits of talent there, that's where I want to be. And I am slightly concerned. There's a lot of talk about them going after George Patton, the guy from uh, uh, the Vikes, who uh, 49ers were looking at as their number one for the GM now that everyone else seems to have turned them down. And you mentioned the Kyle Shanahan thing as well. So it just has concerned me slightly that suddenly a new player has entered the game and that new player has Andrew Luck and we've got Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, it should do, but I mean, and I agree with your point about not rushing in. I, I think the teams do that far too much. You see it, I mean, as soon as the first guy was hired this year, within three days, the rest are hired because everybody panics. But but ultimately, you've got to fire the guys first, which the Colts just ignored. And I mean, they've quite clearly offered John Gruden the head coaching job at some point in this off-season. So how they can keep Pagano in place with that as knowledge? is ridiculous and now you're going to pair him with a GM who he may not get along with all over again it's just preposterous isn't it just uh, just so you know booking in some pretty pretty big names on Radio Row right now who are we getting just confirmed Malcolm Jenkins for Thursday afternoon <laughs> I'll ask him about the Eagles fans who think that his performances and uh, interest has, has dropped off significantly this year I don't I didn't quite see it but um, not too keen um, and the, the Eagles fans that I was sat around were not too keen with, uh, on Malcolm Jenkins at all. We've got Demarius Thomas coming to join us. Who? Demarius Thomas coming to join us. Well, what um, what does interest me on Eagles fans chat is Deshaun Jackson apparently wants to go back to Philadelphia, which is all of my dreams coming true because when he was at Philadelphia, his Twitter replies was the best thing on the internet. He He could have literally tweeted that he'd flown to another city dropped in on a parachute and give aid to a load of homeless children and they've been saying why aren't you studying film <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing I oh, think I think Demarius Thomas is a great get Will I know Thanks, you just buddy. got pied by Matt Sherry but that's fine well done man <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm just booking these in I'm just saying we're getting some great interviews mate come on yeah good work I was, th- I was backing you up Thanks. You have all the credit you get, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I quite like the the Wilson Palacios nickname that you've given me via uh, our communication today. It's it's a good one. It's strong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right, boys. Is there anything else that we uh, we need to make sure we cover off? I think we've questions. Adam Barton. Twitter questions. Adam Beautiful. Barton asks, "Why did I get blocked for Sherry's Patriots bias?" What? <laughs> That's yeah, I, he must have been somebody else who you blocked. But um, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, he wasn't on my list. I don't think. Well, look, a Barton ninety three sort it out. Not you, Adam Barton. You, Will Gavin, sort it out. I uh, didn't think I had blocked him, but if I have, I feel really bad about it. Alan Hasley he is even in. He's even in our. Um, he's even in our, one of our fantasy leagues. <laughs> you're, you're out of order, man. <laughs> Alan Hasley, how much Terrible would you pay bag. for a photograph with Johnny Manziel? Nothing. I, they would have to pay me. Is that has he been charging people for photographs? Is that yeah, a story? They said he was going to, but he tweeted saying that he wouldn't be charging anyone. Yeah, I just, I literally could not care less about that man. Um, do you believe the home teams get more favourable calls from officials? That's from Alex. <laughs> There's a really interesting... I know we talked... Uh, I know I was having some fun with <laughs> Patriots calls on Twitter last night. Let's not get into that, shall we? Uh, <laughs> but um, 
It is worth mentioning uh, there is a really fascinating book uh, I have read on this very topic, and I'm desperately trying to Google it right now. But there is somebody who has done a full study into the way that that calls go. And um, there is a slight lean home bias, but it is very, very small, slight lean home bias. But it jumps up hugely in major games for home teams. And And it's essentially that the um uh, that from what they've surmised is that basically referees are humans and if you've got an entire crowd of 80,000 people screaming at you sometimes you tend to tailor your your decisions in their direction yeah makes sense to that i mean it, it would only be logical it would only be logical indeed also been offered justin forset so, is he anywhere now i think we should just say Hi, Justin. I understand you hate to announce your retirement. Do you want to, do you want to talk on that? <laughs> <laughs> My spreadsheet for everyone else has, like, Texas the safety, Eagles, or whatever. He's just going to have to have running back. Where was question. he last? Was he at Detroit? He, he was at Denver last, but basically, Gary Kubiak's the only guy who's ever employed him, so he is literally done now, isn't he? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Beautiful. Uh, guys... Super Bowl 51. We'll next see you, Matt Sherry, at San Antonio Airport in six days. No, we won't. Houston Airport. (laughs) If we leave Houston Airport without you because we think we're meeting you at San Antonio, that could be bad. We'll next see you in... (laughs) In five days... Yeah, five days' time in Houston Airport when we pick up our car, drive to San Antonio for the Royal Rumble. Very, very excited. So looking forward to seeing you, buddy. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, guys, and uh, yeah, camera. See you next week. Ollie Hunter, any final thoughts? Ref- no return. No last of the Jedi, December. Yeah, I, uh, the last Jedi. That's I quite it. like the name. Some people have said it's a bit underwhelming. I think it's a good name. Uh, considering I got it wrong, um, <laughs> I think it's a good name. I love the logo. It's all in red. That red. It looks great. I can't wait. Great. All right. Very bud. exciting. All good, man. Good. Right, guys. All good fun. Get in touch with us at Gridiron on Twitter. Go buy tickets to our party because it's going to be great. Uh, and uh, uh, it also helps fund us getting out to the Super Bowl to do all our really good coverage. Thanks, guys. Um, otherwise, thank you very much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. We love you all fans equally, whether you support the same teams as us or the Patriots. We're big fans of all of you. And I promise I will never block any of you on Twitter again. And I'm sorry once more. Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. The guy is drunk. Oh, perfect. Hey guys, it's Devon Sam here from LucasAid Sports Podcast, running the show. Check out this week's episode where we get to meet the one and only Anthony Joshua. Oh my goodness, do you think he wants to be friends with us now? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he told me that he wants to link up and have a bit of sparring. Yeah, sure he did. So head to all your podcast providers and click subscribe. Now also get in touch with us at LucasAid Sport using the hashtag running the show. You will not regret it.